about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why because we're, we're so doing smart. Most of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. Vernacular for this is being up but not uptight. Yeah. You've got enough energy in your system, but not so much that it keeps you from doing the things you need to be focusing yeah, on. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Art Markman. I'm Jack Anderson, in for Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, procrastination. David Rosenbaum coined the term procrastination, which he defines as a tendency to tackle sub-goals at the earliest opportunity, even at the expense of extra effort. One study that was discussed in this, people were asked to retrieve two buckets of water, one of which was six feet away, one of which was 12 feet away. What most people do is they pick up the first bucket, they carry it to the second bucket, and they carry them both back, not realizing that by picking up the first bucket, you have to carry it twice as far than if you waited and picked it up on the way back. So the idea is there is an attractiveness to completing tasks early that often results in more effort than is required to actually complete the task. We're bad with time, particularly when the time frame is reasonably far out. And that's part of what makes it difficult. If you do everything too quickly, there's a certain number of things that get canceled because they weren't that important after all. And then if you do all the work and then it gets canceled, then you wasted your time. Exactly. It is hard to figure out how to fit all of the stuff that you have in your life into the amount of time that's available. Even if you have good tools, I mean, even if you have a nice calendar or calendar program, it is still difficult to judge exactly how much time you need to complete a task and what exactly the optimal time is. What you see is a distribution of strategies that people carry out. And it is to some degree related to these resting levels of arousal that people have. Some people are naturally high arousal people. And these tend to be the folks who fall into this procrastinator camp. High arousal people have a lot of energy flowing through their motivational systems all the time. And so just becoming aware of a task that needs to be done now makes them aware and energized to do it. And so they do it early. Whereas people who are low arousal people naturally, they don't have that degree of arousal naturally. And so if they just hear about a task, they're like, yeah, that's nice. For those folks, it requires a small thermonuclear device (laughs) detonated beneath their seat in order to create that level of arousal that says, I'm going to engage with this task. For one thing, it's really bad to have people who are high arousal people and people who are low arousal people working together on the same project because they come to blows eventually. But there's another issue too, which comes back to the Yerkes-Dodson curve. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind the Yerkes-Dodson curve is that there is an inverted U-shaped relationship between arousal and performance. It means if you're too low arousal, you don't get anything done because you don't care. And if you're properly aroused, you're firing on all cylinders, and that's wonderful. The more aroused you get for a while, the more work you do on something up to a point, after which you fall over the edge of the Yerkes-Dodson curve, you're hyper-aroused. You've got so much energy, you just can't concentrate on anything. You can't get anything done. And worse yet, you may panic. 
and none of that is conducive to good behavior. There is a thing, though, about the reinforcing value for people who have that level of arousal because you know something isn't done and then being able to do it and feel good about that right now. It does lead many people in many situations to do things when it's not the optimal time to actually do it, but you just want to have it over with so quickly and put that on your checked to-do list that you often don't take in enough information. There are other sources of information that might actually help you do the task more effectively or whatever. When should I get stuff done? And what strategies will help me to distinguish between those things where actually it'd be a good idea to do this early and those for which it probably doesn't matter very much? And we can apply the inverted U-shaped curve. If the x-axis on that curve is time and how long you wait before you do something, if you wait too late, well, then you're kind of screwed because you don't have enough time to actually do it well. If you do it too early, you might miss out on opportunities to obtain information or even just think longer about it that might give you a different perspective that wouldn't occur to you early, but might occur to you optimally later. Precrastinators pay a very heavy price in what are called opportunity costs. Yes, exactly. The stuff you could have been doing with the resource you used for the thing you're doing now. So if I take the time today to work on something that isn't due for three weeks, even if I'm going to do a perfectly adequate job of it now and just as good a job as I would have done later, it's possible that actually there was something else I could have done now that would have been a better use of my time now and a perfectly reasonable window of time would have opened up closer to the time when something was supposed to be finished that would have allowed me to do this without giving up on something that I could have done. Yeah. What is the pull of the task that's due in three weeks to do it now? And often it's because of the menu of tasks before you, that may be the least onerous of the lot. And so it's really attractive to go do that one. And then you can feel some sense of accomplishment because I did something, but the onerous task is actually due tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's still not done. Or honestly, I could just relax. One of the things that we know is people in our current society are just not that good at kicking back. If I find something that doesn't need to be done for three weeks and I do it now, when I could have kicked back and given myself some downtime, if I look around, I could probably always find something that needs to be done. Sure. Purely from a resilience and mental health standpoint, stopping to smell the roses is also a really good thing to do. And we don't often put that on our to-do list. And consequently, it becomes lower on our list of priorities. There's not an obvious tangible product. I mean, the kicking back thing, what it does for our sense of well-being and our calm and all those kinds of things are not as tangible as having the report finished or having the garage cleaned or whatever the hell it is we think we're avoiding. Next time, we'll talk about eyewitness accounts with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. You can listen back to this show or any of our archive shows at KUT.org and subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Our engineers are David Alvarez, Jake Perlman, and Michael Crawford. I'm Jack Anderson, in for Rebecca McEnroy, and I co-produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas.